another level, you know what I mean? <laughs> Multiple gunshots to the block, the fun stops. Niggas was calling cops, people shot, nobody stopped. I wonder when the world stopped. Karen, last night you get shot. Why the whole block staring? I will never understand this society. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to I Don't Get It. The pop culture get off my lawn cast. We're in two mid-40s, oh, mid-40s, mid-40s curmudgeons stare down the prospect of their rapidly impending entertainment irrelevance. My name is Noah Tarno. I am the founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events, virtually, of course, these days, because, dear God, what kind of world are we living in? I'm talking to you straight from the Bay Area of California, and joining me as always, sir. My name is Bill Scurry. I'm talking to you straight from the Bay Area of Amsterdam. There's no bay. Is there a bay there? No. There's no bay. How far? Wait. How far are you from the ocean? How far are you from the Atlantic? No, it's not the Atlantic. It's the North. It's the North Sea. Netherlands isn't on the Atlantic at all. No, it's on the North Sea. Uh, No. And here's the irony: when I was a kid, the one category I did well at in Trivial Pursuit was geography. Yet Mm -hmm. somehow I don't know that the Netherlands. I'm, I'm looking Europe map right now. So go I'm ahead. Yeah. A long time we are, we are. If you if you go due uh, due west, you will land in like Lancaster or something like that, yeah, England. Right. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, much. You're on the North Sea. You're not on the Atlantic at all. This is funny. This is what I forget. In my mind, there's this long Atlantic coast that goes up from France, Belgium, Netherlands. But mm-hmm. no, it's like that little hump of France mm-hmm. turns you into whatever that. I guess it's a channel. Right yeah, the between of, the Bay of uh, Brittany or something, UK like that. and France, yeah. and then you get up. You're in the North Sea, which is bounded by UK, mm-hmm. a little bit of Belgium, Netherlands, and Germany and Denmark. I never really had no, that I, in my head clearly. Why, why I figured you? you could just take off from the Netherlands and the Atlantic and somehow get to North America, but nope. Now you're gonna hit a big old island. You're gonna settle England like much the same way they 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 settled the United States or America at the time and took it over. You could do the same thing with the. Uh, you English. could shoot straight up from the Netherlands and get to Greenland. Yeah. It looks like. Yeah. Well. Wow. I, I, mean, I, I you, never really thought of it that way. Depends on if you go in the, the Mercator map of uh, uh, the Mercator right, globe, maybe that would work. But yes, anyway. I, uh, are there ferries? I mean, I guess it'd be a long trip straight from Netherlands to Norway because that's a straighter shot than I had in my head. Not from the, There's ferries not from Netherlands to Norway. There are ferries leave on the regular from Netherlands to England. I mean, I think they go, you can catch ferries right. up well, and down the North, North Sea coast. In fact, I think I did that trip the first time I went to Europe when I was seven. It's a long, I, I think it takes a day or so. It's an overnight right. ferry from uh, nah, here to over to uh, England. I don't even think it's London. It's somewhere on the on the um, eastern coast of England. But it's, yeah, it's a hop. Right, it's, right. it's a big sea. I mean, you talk about that's a lot of wild country. So I guess getting back to my initial question but a version that's more valid how far are you from the from the coast from the north sea oh you know what if i um, by bicycle ride uh probably about 90 minutes to two hours depending if i go a little slow not that far by hot air balloon um (laughs) it just it makes it sound so quaint like by bicycle ride from amsterdam oh yeah you're closer to markamir markamir yeah that's the big body of water yeah. in the north of us. I didn't really realize Amsterdam's sort of there's like a there's like a peninsula here that I didn't yeah. really know about. Well, like Amsterdam's every, sort of at the crux of the peninsula. Someday we'll do an entire podcast about how man has essentially pulled a country out of the water. Something right. like thirteen percent of this entire uh, country is under is below sea level, and yet it is almost completely floodproof because of um, wonderful right. engineering techniques. The Hague is right on the North Sea. It looks Den Haag. Like. Yes, it is exactly. Uh, this has been the Netherlands Geography Cast. Thank you, Bill. 
Yes. So uh, we're back with another banger, folks. It's slapping, um, slapping bangers with Noah and Bill. What is the idea of I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my long cast? Every episode we look at something that's currently hot, happening generally with the young people, and we try to make sense of it. And the hottest topic in the cultural firmament this week, other than the end of civilization is these two uh, brothers twins from gary indiana who are the hottest youtube viral sensation of the past few weeks they are tim and fred williams aka twins the new trend that's their youtube handle which does not roll off the tongue twins the new trend not necessarily you know not seo optimized you're right right I've seen conflicting stuff, whether they're 21 or 22 years old, uh, out of Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, let me say it once again. Gary, Indiana, best known for two things, the Music Man, of course, and the Jacksons. you know yeah. the Jacksons? Thank yeah. you. I feel like a lot of people, for some reason, don't know the Jacksons were from no, Gary, you, you No, they, that, that's gone. That was trivia in the 60s, and it's more or less gone to, uh, yeah. gone to the era today. They are from Gary, Indiana. Although I read they are soon relocating to Indianapolis, the big time. And about a year ago, they started a YouTube channel. And Bill, you brought up a good point. Like they really approach, they want to be YouTube stars. They grew up with this crap as all 21, 22 year olds have. You made a good point that they really, you know, they realized what needed to be done and they got serious about it. So their metier, as it were, is these young guys who have grown up listening to, it sounds like nothing but hip hop, make reaction videos where they listen to a song that is definitely not hip hop, mainly classic rock and pop, some classic country some classic soul and uh just make videos of them listening to it and reacting to it and they've done a lot of them i mean they've only been doing this a year and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of these things it's just videos of them sitting in their bedroom listening to these songs and reacting to them not really reviewing them but just kind of going oh whatever they kind of hit the viral world i mean they already had a, a good number of followers and but they kind of hit the viral lottery a few weeks ago when they made a video of their reacting to phil collins in the air tonight and they really loved it although have you seen any video where they didn't like the song where they actively said i don't like it no no. I've watched 30 of these, and I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get to one where I don't want to start with the negative thing, but there was one, and a lot of these are just Tim, because Fred apparently is a college student, Tim dropped out. Uh, Tim's the one who usually wears the do-rag, by the way. Fred's the one with the, the short braids. And by the way, I don't think they're identical. They look alike, but they're not identical. Well, that, I think, you don't, I don't they're, they're not identical I haven't done a twins. DNA you, test. You could be twins and not identical twins. It's possible. Yes, that's true. But at first, I wasn't sure. Okay. Because I think they look alike. But yeah. I'm guessing they're not identical, but whatever. There was one where I wondered if Tim was just like, trying to find something positive to say anyway the video for in the air tonight went viral and has since actually led to in the air tonight like reappearing in the top 10 of itunes downloads and people are really in love with these two very charming young men uh they did a video another one where they review they reviewed again they reacted to jolene by dolly parton and dolly actually gave him a shout out and everyone loves dolly and uh they've really people have been talking about him a lot because they're just very likable they have seem to have a very open mind they seem to like everything but it's this music you some of the whitest artists in the world and they show a real love and a real joy for them uh for example more than a feeling by boston which i remember being 14 years old and that song having this almost mystical magical effect on me and then watching tim listen to it and have to take off his headphones and stand up and jump up and down because the song affects him on such a deep level we'll get into it but i think that really makes people feel good because mm. let's be honest, it defies some stereotypes to see tattooed 21-year-old African-American boys who speak in a very black patois loving the incredibly white music nerds like us grew up loving. There are articles about him in every major newspaper, 
and they got signed by an entertainment manager and they the, the in the air tonight video has 5.6 million views and they have something like 459,000 subscribers and again dozens and dozens of these videos so let's get into why people like them so much and whether this whole thing is good or bad uh, so, Bill, what do you think of Tim and Fred Williams, Twins, the new trend? The spread's really easy, like, a, you know, a, a, a cream on bread, you know. I think it's tasty. These guys are very earnest. They lack... Yes. I, they lack irony. It's it's kind of weird. They almost completely lack irony or some sort of sophistication. But they're uh, funny. They're clever. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, no, no. They're, and they're, they're, they no. seem like people you'd want to hang out with. Well, that's, right? that's exactly the thing. There's such an yeah. affability to it. When you watch two people's... The, the way it's set up, whether it was something they did on purpose or they stumbled upon the way they built their show, where you're looking at two people's faces in real time with the playing window is superimposed between them on the bottom of the screen. As we know, one of the oldest stories on Earth is watching the narrative portrayed by the human face. People can't sometimes lie or hide, and it's what makes great actors really, really great is that they can control their face on a level. And, you know, when someone can't control their face, it tells a fantastic story of honesty because you're just seeing something wash over them. Uh, watching these two guys react in real time over the course of, I don't know, maybe it's sometimes a five, to nine minute video they're not that long with these bite-sized content which is why they're able yeah. to do so much of them it's an appealing mcnugget you know it's a bite-sized thing that goes by quickly so i know that for folks like us we are familiar with the jolines of the world we, we those are our texts we have those yeah. uh, you know buried 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 i mean they literally say like tim hadn't heard of nirvana before and it's charming when they like they thought queen they thought the guy's name was freddie mercy and or this song dancing queen is by abby or he called it <laughs> He referred, he puts in the Thunder Road by, he said, Bryce Springteen or something. Well, that was a, which it sounded too charming. Jewish. It was originally his name, but he changed it to Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yes, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, but, but you know, like I said, there, there's something about watching a performance, combining the fact that you have, these are canonical songs to yes. middle-aged people, you'd say they're white, and you are watching these kids discover something that you yourself love. And, and you can't remember when you discovered it. You've always known Yeah, well, right. It, it was, You've it, always known more than a rest. feeling. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's it's, no way to, to go back to when you discovered those songs. At the same time, you could say it, you'd be hard-pressed. Like, how many 21-year-olds either do or can or should know what Nirvana is? There's just been, you know, 50 years of junk between us and 1991 that, you know— years. I'm saying Nirvana is that the the world has gotten incredibly fast, the world has gotten small, and it's gotten busy. So there might as well be 50 years of junk in the span between us and Nirvana. You know, they don't have to know it. It's fine. That they can go back and look at it is great. They're not going to go back to, like, Lawrence Welk. They don't need to go that far back. They might not be... Uh one of my favorites is when they look at 16 tons by Tennessee Ernie Ford, which okay. has got to be 1952 or something. Go I'm, I'm going to I'm going to put this on you, though, Noah, before I'm going to hand it over to you. There is something to this and, and this category on YouTube. You know, they're not the only people in this space. There actually are quite a few channels of African-American people doing reactions you know, of also young people. Also young. People. Also young people, but there's a great right. channel. Somebody who's more higher up in the food chain is this guy. This this channel is called Jamel, aka Jamal. So, but he, what he's doing is essentially the same thing. He's filling in the cultural gaps of all this stuff that wasn't, as someone from South Central Los Angeles, a black man, would not have heard Steely Dan's The Royal Scam, you know, or would not have heard Boz Skaggs 
Lido Shuffle. So he's giving it a shot. Listening to this guy talk about music, it is almost the upgrade of what you want. Like if, if some, you kind of want to hear somebody with vocabulary about music be able to elaborate why it is that works and what they got out of it and what it makes them think of. Now it's a different type of show, but the reason why I'm bringing up Jamal, aka Jamel, is because I did the same thing with these guys that I did with him, which is I read the comments and I get a very coded message from who I'm sure are white people who grew up with this stuff. And us, middle-aged people, don't get me wrong, people like sharing things that are good. They They just enjoy the endorphins of seeing happiness and sharing pleasure and saying that there's a certain amount of limitless joy inherent in something that, oh, anybody could pick this up on earth and probably like something inherently good about it. However, I also see this confirmation glee people have. I'm watching these two black kids who probably only, you know, only listen to hip hop. And what they're doing is coming around to the cultural hegemony, the orthodoxy of the white music that I love and everyone should rightly love instead of that rap garbage these kids listen to. Now, I have definitely, definitely, definitely seen that in the comments. This is not part of these guys' art. This is I'm separating it from the videos we watch. I'm talking about the way people punch in. And the reason why I think a lot of people are happy is because it's like, yeah, your rap music, your biggies, your run DMCs, that's garbage and transient. It's 35 years old. But that's what... But, all right, so the thing is, do you think any of these... They're not into Biggie and Run DMC. Do you think any of these white fans who who love to see, you know, young African-American men discover fucking Boz Skaggs or Toto, do you think that they're capable of doing the reciprocal effort of listening to Wu-Tang, of listening to uh, uh, you know, Kendrick Lamar? Some Lamont. of them. I mean... Not very many. Let's be a little charitable and say they're not scorning that stuff they're just saying it's not for them i I know but i think that there's i mean some of them are i'm sure yes some of them are scorning i think that there's this thing of like what you listen to they're coding it what you're listening to is not music let's get back to white people music from 1981 which is the actual sound it's a cultural orthodoxy that's that's hedged in white supremacy again i'm separating it that's not these guys video it's the it's the reaction to it and in fact they go a lot broader that they don't just do the totos and boss skags yeah i watched their reaction to erasures a little respect yeah erasure was the gayest mainstream band in the mid 80s yeah and a lot of people and they felt, love yeah. it just as much as they love toto and yeah. and, and a lot of people kansas a lot of people that. felt that way about erasure it's like get this gay shit out of here let's get back yes. to rock and roll well, music that was a lot of the hatred of disco the yeah. hatred of disco is racist and, and homophobic yeah anyway so i put that i, I want to hear what you have to say about it now why uh, what, tell me about it yeah look these guys are very likable fred's not that exciting but tim is tim's a real character he's He's air guitaring. He's air drumming. He's got this great look on his face. He really gets into it. He's charismatic. He's very charismatic, and he clearly loves music. And they come off as very, you know, very honest, of course, very open-minded. And they're into their idea. They buy their idea, you know? The joy is palpable. The one time I think Tim was, I don't want to say lying because that makes it sound, but like when you watch Karma Chameleon by Culture Club... And I was just like, there's got to be one time he doesn't like it. Because I wanted to see, like, how does he react to a song he doesn't like? And I like to think he'd go, hey, not for me, whatever. I, I might be wrong. Maybe he loved Karma Chameleon. But he, I mean, I hate Karma Chameleon. So that colors my opinion here, too. <laughs> I think, whatever, no diss on Culture Club. And I have a ton of respect for Boy George. Talk about bucking a trend. I just don't think he's that great a musician. What Tim said, he's like, hey, you know, thanks for suggesting this. You know, see what, he, he learned said, see what happens when you have an open mind. You discover things like this. So even that, he's finding the value yeah, sure. in Karma Chameleon, which is true, even though I think it's a crummy song. They don't mock anyone. They they don't mock 
the whiteness of Jeff Lynn. They don't mock the gayness of Vince Clark. They don't mock uh, any of the women they look at or talk about any of them, whether they're a piece of ass or not. You know, they're no, they they're just, enthralled by they're by just listening. They're Frida just listening. and Agatha of ABBA without sexualizing them in the slightest way. And they get better as it goes along. They watch more recent ones and their reactions are, are more entertaining. The way they have to take their headphones off and get up and dance around. Or In the Air Tonight was great because it's got that boop, 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 three minutes in and they just, they freak out when they hear that. And they keep saying like, I've never heard someone like, Drop the beat three minutes in. Drop the beat three minutes in, which relates it to like this idea of dropping the beat, which usually happens like 20 seconds in or whatever. This is what's great about it. It's not, well, one of the many things that's good about it is not just seeing their reaction, but like letting us discover the song for the first time. I've never much cared for In the Air Tonight. I thought it was fine. It reminds me of Miami Vice, which I think sucks. This is the most I've ever liked In the Air Tonight because I'm seeing what's unique about it. I think Phil Collins is in it, but like, wow, he, he created quite a creation in In the Air Tonight. I never really realized that until Tim and Fred made me realize that. So, you want to hear an irony about this, by the way? What, what's irony? Go ahead. In the Air Tonight was built on a music sequencer called a Roland TR-808, which is one of the most famous pieces of electric drum machine that was ever created. Roland made a billion of these things, but the, the 808 has been legendary. Uh, and it was used by everybody from Hall and Oates. It was a lot of the sounds, the digital drum sounds. You know, like at the beginning of the, the the beginning of in the air tonight is that's all a Roland drum machine. So the thing is, I love I love how they say it sounds like a wrestler's entrance theme. Yeah, a WWE. I really like theme. that. The the Roland TR eight hundred eight is actually still highly prized. It is a building block of hip hop today. That yeah. actual piece. Con- Kanye West named an album after it. Exactly, but like yeah. the actual artifact is you know they will people will buy it for thousands of dollars because they want that thing. So it. It, it comes around where the, the irony is that this thing that's so important to the way hip-hop sounds today, one of the authoring sounds of it was kind of at the beginning of its lifespan, and it still has that same appeal. It's kind of, like I said, it's an irony. Back in the game, yo, hey, got Phil Collins now. It's called In the Air Tonight. We don't know what it's talking about. Yeah, we don't know what to expect, man. Hey, I've seen a lot of people question this from video to video, man. I meant to do this, but I finally got to it. Appreciate the fan love. Like, subscribe. New. That merch, don't forget. No, it's Arno. Tell me why. Uh, why is it having a moment? Why is it popular? There are the reasons I liked it. The joy is palpable. But look, we are in crisis mode in this country, in this world, because nobody has an open mind. Not nobody, but too many people do not. And it seems really rare that anyone has an open mind these days. Culture is so bifurcated. And even that's a misnomer because bifurcated makes it sound like we're in two sections. We're in far more than two sections. Balkanized might be a better term. And it's really heartening to see people branching out from their their ghettos, right? Um, it feels so rare these days. And you doing you, it you in get such... Ghetto, you mean culturally, not like a literal ghetto. You mean. I don't mean Gary, Indiana, yeah. Okay. But by the way, ghetto originally referred to the Jewish enclaves in Eastern Europe. It was, so. a t- it was an Italian word, yes, for the Jewish neighborhoods. Yes, but yes. It, yeah. And to see them do it in such an affable, friendly, open-minded, accepting way. So these kids really make you feel good about that. They make you feel good about the future and that they're kids. This is one of the silver linings of the pandemic for me. And I've been spending primarily living with my nephews and my niece. I'm very impressed with how the younger generation is dealing with this. And I've said this many times, like they have a sort of advantage in that they have never lived in the America where nothing bad can ever happen. They know that shit happens. And they're, I'm generalizing, sure, but they're rolling with this shit way better than our generation is and way better than our fucking spoiled brat baby boomer parents generation is. 
And, and that gives me some hope. And the fact that Tim and Fred, who fulfill the stereotype, an unfair stereotype, you know, they're making you feel better that, no, they're more open-minded than the rest of us, if these two are anything to go on. Uh, also, we're in a cultural moment where, you know, the, I mean, I hate to blow this up to greater importance than it has, but Black Lives Matters, the protest, I mean, part of the pushback, President Barack Obama was part of this, is like white people feeling like black people are the future and we don't want to be the past and we're being replaced, right? Mm -hmm. So it's heartening to know that you have a place in the future and that you are okay as far as the future is concerned. I mean, this goes back to the 90s when there was literally a Time magazine headline that said, are black people cooler than white people? I think that's been a cultural idea under the surface for a good 30 years now. I remember doing stand-up and I admit it, when I did stand-up, if the table of black people were laughing their asses off... You felt good I about felt yourself. Little, yeah. I felt good about myself because yeah. my hand had been stamped. I wasn't pissing anyone <laughs> off. I was Right? I yeah. mean, I don't know what that says, but it says something. You know, uh, it says I, I, that, It's flattering. I understand what you right, mean. Right, right. Uh, so, it, yeah, it says you have good taste. If the cool people like what you're about, the biggest thing, and that Vice article that I know you read has a quote, that I love. And this gets at how this is this is of the pandemic moment. There is a real joy, and I'm feeling this now. I'm showing all my favorite movies to my nephews and my nieces and my niece. There's a real joy in sharing your favorites with new people. And it's harder to do that now. So the Vice article, the, the author says, it's been months since I could ask for the aux core and show a friend their new favorite song. Yeah. Tim and Fred Williams are now filling that space for me. One where sharing knowledge is more exciting than proving what you already know. And there's a real pleasure in that. Mm -hmm. And seeing these two young guys who maybe you got nothing in common with them on the surface, but seeing these young guys, you know, react to more than the feeling the way I reacted to it when I was 15 with that joy, whatever. You know, these guys are doing a little cultural service in the midst of the pandemic. What I'd only add to that is um, the I think the Vice article, again, not that the listener has listened to the Vice, read, read the Vice article, but we both have. So I'll try to explain this as much as possible or in as short a time uh, as possible is that I forget in my bubble of whiteness that we do have an American culture. We have the condition where black people are tastemakers and have been for you know yep. the better the better part of the 20th century now i mean that yep. that may not be fair but culturally you know we've stolen a lot a lot a lot of and appropriated a lot of, of black culture and done everything that we can to to whitenize it or to you, sell you it. know what i feel about the idea of appropriating i think i understand but that, i think it's the still, point you know, of culture especially popular culture I think the issue is when black people got ripped off. Well, yes, precisely. But going back it's to the, the ripping court, off, it's not the it's not the building upon. It's the cool people Let's thing see. you're talking about where, right. you know, like you said, I think that there is a very patently white reaction of thinking like you said uh, it, it, i think about making the table full of african-americans laugh at a comedy club i think is perfect i think it's benign and i think it's also a very honest thing it makes you feel like a citizen of the world it makes you feel like you're not in such a small parochial little place for whatever that's worth i mean uh, uh, i don't know if i'm phrasing it well enough here to, to be understood but my point is is that People have long uh, expected or anticipated that, that black people were going to create the cultural vanguard, especially in a lot of our a lot of our things and music especially. So to have your music championed by young kids and especially it it is an attaboy. It's saying, you know, you're not wrong. David Page's keyboard on, you know, Africa or, or something like that, listening to uh, Don Hanley's voice in the Eagles, all this shit that has which been around is just vestigial, you know, rock and roll junk for years there's something to it your your affinity for it is being reinforced because here are some cool kids they're from another generation and they're giving a thumb up to this 
thing that's part of your orthodoxy. Uh, by the way, their first big hit was actually Jolene. They did Jolene a month before um, the Phil Collins song. So yeah. I th they struck, I think they had about 2.5 million with the first one. And then they followed it up with a 5 million uh, hit with the second one. That's a that's a big deal that they ran. You mean in the air tonight? In the air tonight, yeah. Right. Um, I like, mean, second, they've done dozens and dozens. Of oh, dozens. I know, but I'm saying in terms of like going yeah. viral twice. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah, you see Dolly Parton gave them a boost on the first one by retweeting them, which is exactly the kind of thing you'd think that she'd do. And especially it's a good move for the, like nearly the same week that Dolly got down with Black Lives Matter, which everyone I fucking know. loved. Good, good. Call. I fucking love her. Yeah. She's got to be the best. She's got to be awesome in yeah. person. Bill, would you have been into Twins the New Trend if you were a kid? Yeah, I think that um, I would have looked at it on, on one level, just the idea that this is a pass-fail. You're giving you're giving a thumbs up to my cultural ciphers, and I would say, cool, you're on my team because you like the thing that I like. I might have been a little more into that confirmation bias about my own very white culture because I hadn't started listening to hip-hop more regularly until I was probably in my late 20s. I mean, I wasn't necessarily defensive about having a lot of Asia albums and, and Steely Dan albums in my collection. Emerson, Lincoln Palmer, you know, yes. But the idea that these guys would have been giving a thumbs up to the kind of songs that I liked that were canonical, you know, in the air tonight. It was when it came out. It was a sensation. Yeah, it was Miami Vice, all that stuff. But it was ubiquitous. And so was Phil Collins songs and Phil Collins going back to Genesis, singing Abacab and Susu Studio and stuff like that. Those were the sounds of the early '80s to me. So it kind of felt like a big party we were all a part of. And I'm sure some people must they must still get that sense of like, oh, this is the party I was at in 1981. This played through the sounds of my childhood. So it's cool that you like it too because I felt good when I was a child. It makes me feel good now. Whether I would have watched 100 videos like you did, that's a good question. I mean, I think that, like you said, the lifespan of these is pretty short. The novelty runs out. I think you need to be younger to both make these as often as they do and to really adhere to the same almost like rigid, repetitious structure. That kind of precludes me from wanting to go in and watch all of them because I feel like I know the story. You know, they're going to they're gonna watch Johnny Hurts. John, Johnny Cash is hurt. Johnny Hurt. Johnny Hurt's Cash. Mississippi. They're going to listen to Mississippi John Hurt's Cash. Uh, I actually don't think I would because, uh, and maybe I'll get up more of this and I talk about the jealousy thing because I'm intensely jealous of these guys. And I think I would have been even more so then. I was even more in my white bubble back then, I guess. So maybe I would have found these guys a little impenetrable. Uh, I think it just would have washed over me. I might have just thought it was silly. You know, who cares about their opinion, right? Also, it's interesting because this might be one of our topics that hues more to less about old people and more about people our age, right? Like, as you said, the appeal of this is the people like us who grew up knowing, you know, all these songs, you know, it's stunning people who've never heard of Nirvana. I mean, Tim once said, like, Dream On by Aerosmith, he says, this is the first rock song I've ever heard, which can't possibly be true. Even putting aside, he heard rock songs playing at fucking Rite Aid. He says the first rock song I ever heard, and then his reaction to it, he talks about how it sounds like something from Guitar Hero. And I'm like, well, if you've played Guitar Hero, you've heard a rock song before. We would have grown up in a very different world, a world in which Aerosmith and Nirvana and Boston and ABBA and all these things aren't the background of our lives. This topic doesn't really, isn't really about young people. It's about people our age. So who knows what we thought? I imagine the equivalent of us today, but age 18, 19, 20, 21, doesn't care about this. This is for, would think this is for old people. 
Noah, tell me about the apocalypse. What do you think? Do these guys, does it apply to these guys? Are they bucking the trend? What's the deal? This is not a sign of the apocalypse. The reasons I said before in that they are showing that it's still possible to have an open mind and people still have an open mind and young people have an open mind and minorities have an open mind and all these things that people seem to not believe. They are showing that this is not the case and that is a good sign for humanity. There is still common ground. On the other hand, and this is me being Mr. Negative, which I do on the show sometimes, I admit, I am worried about suddenly reading Tim and Fred Williams being approached as authorities on music and being hired to write music reviews because some people describe these videos as reviews i think that's a very generous description their reactions they're not their reactions yeah plain and simple they 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 definitely get music i mean when they air drum and stuff they they seem to know what it's all about they have no critical faculty they have no obviously no historical background to evaluate any of this stuff so if they become experts that is another sign of the death of expertise which we've often said on the show is a big problem. So they have no authority. And I think that's the point. So I don't want someone starting to think these guys should be treated as authorities. Just because you can entertain people in giving your opinion doesn't mean your opinion is something that matters. I mean, expertise is still important, and we've lost a lot of that in our culture. And I don't know. I mean, I've seen stupid crap like that happen in our culture, you know. Morons. These guys aren't morons at all, but I've seen morons whose opinions fucking suck and don't know what the fuck they're talking about, being treated as if they do know what they're talking about. Well, that, that is, and, a, yeah. And I, I, I think Tim and, I keep wanting to say Tim and Eric, Tim and Fred's opinion is perfectly valid and definitely entertaining. You know, MTV had a lot to do with that uh, paradigm of people being put into positions of, you know, because they were given TV shows, because they're being given a media pulpit, that they were being conferred invisibly. This, this, um, and this happened in the 90s especially. You know, there actually was some level of expertise in the 80s, but as the 90s rolled on into the 2000s, I'm holding a microphone and my name is Carson Daly. That makes me an expert in music. And it only got worse from there, up to your Jesse Camps, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. Jesse Camps. Okay, Phil. This man killed it, bro. He killed that, bro. He killed that. Bill, are you jealous of Tim and Eric? Uh, Or Tim and Fred? (laughs) Jealous of Twins the New Trend at all? I mean, I am, but I think I think we have a I think we have a very solid case for this one. I don't think anybody could possibly knock me. You know why? Because that's their thing is exactly what we are doing right now. Yeah. The whole point of this show was to Yeah, do- except we try to say something about it and Well, not right. Just say what it, it is the reaction it, we we have a reaction component to it. We have an analysis component to it and part of like They don't know, have an analysis. No, they don't. I mean, but feign at that. The but- genesis of this podcast is that Noah came up with the sort of punch list of all the things uh, suggested punch lists of the different segments of the show and and I said, "Yeah, I, I didn't t- t- I'm not like a big idea guy. I can't, you know is much better at that kind of thing than I am." He came up with a plan. I'm like, Thank "Yes, you. this is actually a great uh, workflow for this kind of thing. I think we could put together a weekly podcast based 
based on asking these questions, interrogating some sort of matter. But then the, the deal is that we do it independently beforehand, and then we come to each other with the results and have a, a, a spontaneous conversation. It's the bare minimum, but it is exactly what we're trying to do is, is interrogate things that are outside of, like, we did the work of looking at Ray Schremer. You know, we did the, the work of, of looking at Country Road. You know, I mean, we, you know, things that we would not have come across in our regular parochial life. Our job was to, and I guess that's a very well-paid job. Our job was to look at these things, give them a fair shake, try to be as unpretentious as possible, unbiased. Do we like them now? Would we have liked them as a kid? You know, all these things that, all the feelings that they inspire in middle-aged men. We can't possibly scratch anywhere near these guys just because we don't have, our form is too long. It's a podcast you have to listen to. We're not visual. We're not the right, you know, the right demo, any of these things. We're not looking at the right things, you know, where sometimes we, we look at fucking uh, the little squeezable scratch and sniff food fucking lumps of plastic. I don't know what the fuck those <laughs> things were. <laughs> Uh, squishies. Squishies, yeah, that's it. Thank you. That, that gave me a stomachache. Just <laughs> playing with them for half <laughs> Yeah, I'm intensely jealous of these guys because especially since when I was exactly their age, I was trying to be a music critic and no one took anything I said seriously and I no one cared. And, and, and it's that they don't do this work that I consider, you know, this has been my problem in life. I work my fucking ass off and, you know, build a better mousetrap in the world to be the path to your door is not true. If it ever was true, it's certainly not true now. And I don't, again, I'm sorry to denigrate these guys because I like these guys and I think they fulfill a good role and, and they're not doing anything wrong. But the fact that their opinion is held in such higher esteem than my opinion when I was their age kind of bothers me. My opinion was just no one cared at all. On the other hand, like, what a waste of time to be jealous of them. I mean, look, like I said, I watched 30, 40 of these stupid videos, stupid, 40 of these videos and... It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. I do not possibly see how these guys are more than a flash in the pan. They're charming, so I hope they get something out of this, right? I don't see them becoming major stars or writing a book or something like that. I wish them well, but I don't see how this is the foundation of a, of a long-time career. And then again, our culture just might be denigrated enough that not having an informative opinion, but just being nice about it is enough to get you over the top. I think you're right. I don't quite think it is, but who knows? So I don't dislike these guys at all, but I am very jealous of them. All right, so let, let's rank them. Let's put them on the Felonian scale. Now, with the XYZ yeah. axis of all things yeah. that we've looked at in the show, yeah. um, where do you find them in the Felonian scale? I like them, but I don't think they're good. Does that make sense? It's almost the inverse of so many things we talk about that I think are good, but I don't like them. All the all the stuff that I think is high quality, but it has no use for me. All right, this is the and inverse I've, And that. I've lost track of how many things we talk. I mean... There was something, oh, uh, Juice World, right? Mm -hmm. It's a recent example, right? Like, yeah, definitely sure. talented, creative, but like metal straws. Yeah, okay. I'm glad it's out there. It's helping the world ultimately, but I don't want to I don't want to take part in what they have to offer, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I do. I'll, I'll watch a few more. I, actually, I'm really curious if they do a song I really love. I want to watch it. For all the songs they've done, I wish they did more uh, punk songs. Hmm. They've done almost nothing that could be described as punk. I want to see him do a Sex Pistols song. I mean, maybe I've missed it. I want to see him do the Ramones. You know, they've done, like, punk-adjacent hard rock, like Smells Like Teen Spirit and the White Stripes. But I want to see, like, stuff like that. Just really get their angle on the stuff that really pushes my buttons. I want to see him do an Elvis Costello song. And partly is because I want that endorphin hit of going, hey, your taste in music is approved of. It's only... So I'll watch that because I'll get enough joy out of that. Right. You know? I mean, I'm talking about there's a dark side to it. I don't think that we're engaging in it, but that's the fear I have of that mechanism becomes a dark side. And I mean, let, let's just live in the positive light version of that for a while before we get back to the fucking sludgy filled, you know, nucleus that's rotting everything around us. 
Um, but I, I think what you just said kind of helps me uh, shape it a little bit. I wrote something real. It was a real jerk-off thing. I said, you know, I assume they will build more complex structures as they get older. But that's a way of saying it's simple, which is its own thing, but it's also not the craft level that I would um, watch myself on a regular basis. Not something I would keep coming back to. Uh, it's fine for a 22-year-old. It's exactly the kind of thing that you can get 5 million views on a video and nearly 500,000 subscribers. But it's not its not necessarily my thing, and I do require some more moving pieces. I do require a surface that has more facets to it. I mean, I'll give it middle top of the Felonia scale uh, in terms of the kind of things we looked at. I mean, I, I mentioned Princess Elena the other day, you know, but once we did um, Bluey. I actually, maybe if that's too nu nutritious. That had some more. That had a lot more facets to it than this. Yeah. You know, this yeah. this is a very simple but a positive thing. And it's like I will champion it. I will cheerlead it. It doesn't need me to do those things. But if you're tuning into the show, you'll listen to you listen to the sound of my voice. It's like I, I give it a thumbs up. I do hope, in fact, that they have something else. The older they get, the, the more sophisticated in a good way. I'm not saying sophistry, but they will come to be able to design more complex things. And I mean, they're only 22. There's no way they can't get more. There's no way they can't get bigger. They can't get different about it. That's just what happens about being older, especially now. You know, they're in a position where people are asking, they're being, you know, petitioned to give more and they're being looked at by more people. I think that mm -hmm. in, in most people, in most most creators that has a tendency to drive bigger things, some people do get stuck into like, OK, you like this thing. I'm going to repeat this thing until I die. I hope that they're in the other camp of like giving you a more complex yeah. structure. Actually, I feel kind of bad because one thing they've done that I didn't listen to is they've done a few videos where they react to comedy bits. I'm mildly curious about that, but I just I didn't do that because we half-ass our research in this. Well, that'll probably be their <laughs> As future, much as we do know? more research than them, we still don't do enough. We don't do enough. How much fucking... This doesn't have to be an episode of Serial, for Christ's sake. I don't need to spend an entire season uh, getting into one topic, but... Today, well, we investigate Twins the New Trend. <laughs> trying to do my little podcast voice. So I think that takes us to the end of an episode, Noah. Um, if you would like mm -hmm. to find past episodes of our show, find these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us, Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. I am on Twitter, at William Scurry. I'm on YouTube, at... No, not at. It's youtube.com slash amcaesar. Noah will Oh, tell my you. God, what a fool you are. Yes, I am Noah Tarno. As we've established earlier, I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, corporate and private and occasionally public trivia events virtually these days, but uh, in person, hopefully again, before we're all dust. So uh, go to bigquizthing.com, learn all about it. We do have a few public events coming up. I got to hype those more. We, we're doing a lot of political fundraisers, usually politically themed events. So best place to find out about those is our Facebook page, uh, Big Quiz Thing, of course, at Big Quiz Thing. And bigquizzing.com about our corporate and private events. Uh, we're teaming up, Bill, I don't think I've told you this, with New York Historical Society again this fall. A couple public virtual events. Um, we're doing a 90s theme. We're doing uh, during Comic-Con and another DC versus Marvel event. And we're doing another event with the San Francisco Historical Society, San Francisco-themed trivia. That's a fun one. Next to New York, there's no better city for that. So, um, yeah, check it out, bigquizzing.com. Thank you. So until a time when me and Noah begin kind of, you know, an entertainment enterprise where the two of us sit for about 30 or 40 minutes every single week and look at a pop culture trend and, you know, I don't know, react off the top of our heads and how we feel about it, we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.